Hello. Testing, testing. Can you hear me? Can you see me? I hope so. Um, if you can, let me say welcome to my COVID caravan of courage. Here is where I've been quarantining for the last five days or so since I tested positive. Um, but the last few days I've been feeling a bit better, so I appreciate your prayers. Um, this is all I'm able to do this week, not able to be with you there on Sunday. So I'm filming this on Friday afternoon. And look, hope it works. Hope we can be in the word together in this kind of way. I'm going to try to mix it up a little bit this afternoon, go for a little walk with the camera in just a minute to illustrate a point I'm trying to make in the sermon. So hopefully that's a little bit more interesting than usual. And uh, here we are in week number two of our Draw Near series. Uh, last week, we looked at the incredible privilege that it is uh, for sinful, broken people like us to be able to draw near to a holy God. Um, hopefully you found that helpful and that's helped you this week to keep drawing near. Um, this week, we look at the crucial importance that it is for you and I to draw near. Uh, and we're going to do that with our Bibles open. And so hopefully you've still got your Bible open there at Matthew chapter 6, which would have just been read, I'm sure. And um, we'll dive into that in just a moment. But let me begin by first referring to John chapter 15, which a number of you would have read and reflected on throughout the week. It was in the daily reading guide. And as well, maybe in some of your home groups, you looked at John 15 as well. That's that classic passage where Jesus talks about being the vine and where the branches. Um, but there's a really key message that comes to us through that passage. And it's this. It's that if, if you're a Christian, if, if you're someone who has put your trust in Jesus, that he, he lived a life on your behalf, died a death in your place and bore your sin and then rose again from the dead so that you can live again. If you've put your trust in Jesus and his work and the work of the cross, then you've actually been joined to him for a purpose. And we get the purpose there in John 15. You've been joined to Jesus so that you would produce fruit and fruit that would last it's actually the purpose of you being brought to God so that you would produce fruit. You'd live a fruitful life. Now, this fruitful life is, is more than just you know, a nice type of life that you define for yourself as fruitful. Um, the kind of fruit that Jesus has in mind here is fruit that is in his name, which means that it's um, producing fruit for his name. Which, which basically means you're, you're producing fruit in that you are m helping more people to come become followers of Jesus and to honor him and lift up his name. So a fruitful life is a life where, well, first and foremost, you remain a disciple of Jesus until the end. Your fruit that lasts. And secondly, that you bring others to follow Jesus and that they would last as well. That's the fruitful life. And you could kind of expand that if you want a little bit to encompass really the whole of life that you live, that, that we are attempting as followers of Jesus to live lives that are obedient to him daily in small ways and large ways, that we're people that are anchored in him in ways that mean we honor him in our lives, but the whole of life live to honor him so that others come to worship Jesus as well. There's the 
fruitful life. Now, Jesus actually um, gives us imagery there in the passage where he says, I'm the true vine and you are the branches. Uh, Remain in me and you'll be able to live out your purpose of producing fruit that will last. And so we get the key there about what it, what's, what's going to be the key to producing fruit in your life. Well, it's remaining in Jesus. It's to abide in Jesus. It's to stay connected to Jesus. It's to draw near and go on drawing near to Jesus. That is what is going to enable you, Jesus says, to produce fruit in your life. To, to, to live a life that is ultimately honoring to God, you need to remain in Jesus. Now, as Jesus makes that connection for us, you know, that the outward life, the life that's honoring to him is really connected to staying close to him. It, it raises the concept for us of the connection between the public life and the private life. You know, the, the front stage life and the backstage life. Jesus wants you to see the connection between the life that everyone else sees and is public and it's like above ground, you know, and the fruit is obvious and visual. Um, Jesus wants you to make the connection between above ground and what's going on beneath the surface of your life. And with that kind of concept in mind, now come to Matthew chapter 6. And, and have a look at the instructions that Jesus is giving his followers here. This is in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. And he's wanting to speak to his followers about prayer and about following him. Um, and he's, he begins in verse 5 there um, with the words, And when you pray, and actually the beginning of verse 6, same line, but when you pray, so there's a bit of an assumption that Jesus is making about his followers here, is that his followers are people who pray, um, people of prayer. And, and so Jesus is assuming that if you're one of his followers, you're praying, you're taking up that privilege. And he says, when you pray, and then Jesus dives into helping us understand um, and pay attention to the development of your private life. You know, the personal, private, connecting with God. Um, he criticizes the religious leaders for obsessing over the public life while neglecting the private life. He says in verse 5 there, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. He's referring to the religious leaders there as hypocrites. They've, they've got this public life, this above the ground life that everyone can see. Um, but it, they're totally neglecting the private. There's almost nothing going on beneath the surface. Um, do not be like the hypocrites who love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Um, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. And then he goes on to say, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, pray to your father who is unseen. So what Jesus is doing here is he's, he's, he's criticizing the religious leaders for obsessing over the public life while neglecting the private life. And he does that to actually direct our attention to making sure we are those who don't make that same mistake. Um, there will be a public life that we are attempting to live for Jesus, but don't neglect your private life. Pay attention to developing your private life, your personal connecting with God. And in this, Jesus is drawing our attention to the crucial importance 
of developing what is beneath the surface of your life. Now, here's where something in my backyard is going to be helpful um, to illustrate what I'm trying to say. So come with me and I want to show you something. Now, come on, come with me. I'm out the front of my property here. And um, if you see this mark on the ground here, this is um, for where a few weeks ago a plumber um, discovered that we've got an issue down here in our sewer pipes. Um, he put his camera down there and found out that there were roots growing through cracked sewer pipes um, at this spot below this surface. And, um, and I asked him, well, where are those roots coming from? What tree are they coming from? Are they, are they coming from this one behind me? And he said, he said, no, they're not, they're not coming from that. He said, they're likely coming from the tree that was here that you pulled down a year or so ago. And I said, how, how do you know it's not from that tree there? And he said, well, he said, because the branches of that tree don't come right out this far. And he said this, he said, typically the root system of a tree will only grow to the breadth and the depth to mimic the branches that are above the surface as well. I mean, did you know that? I think that's fascinating. I'm sure not every tree follows that rule, but a lot of trees follow that rule where, they, where in order to support the branches and the fruit that are growing above the surface, the root system, what's going on beneath the surface, needs to basically mimic and copy what's going on above the surface. Um, kind of like, so if you could, if you could see that um, in a cross-section kind of x-ray image, um, it would look something like this. And as you can see, that, that there is a, that's a picture of a tree with its branches being supported by a system beneath the surface um, that's strong and it's going to handle. Um, this is the design of nature. And it's an illustration for us of the importance of what's going on beneath the surface to support and uphold everything above the surface. Now, as we walk down into my backyard here, um, this is a tree, this happened just a few days ago. Um, and um, just in the middle of the night with the wind and the rain that we had, you can see this is this tree stump here. It's just, it's cracked right down the middle. Um, <clears throat> which is crazy. I never even thought something like that could happen. Um, now, this is technically not the root system. I know it's the stump, but the principle still applies here, I reckon. Um, what happened with this tree about a year ago? Um, yeah, you can come back to me. What happened with this tree about a year ago is I chopped off a lot of the low-hanging branches and it decided to shoot up. And really rapidly, within a couple of months, it shot so many branches sky high that this tree just became really, really tall, really quite quickly without expanding, I think, its root system or certainly without growing the thickness of its trunk to be actually be able to support that growth. And here's the thing, without the support structure, whether it be the root system or the thickness of the trunk, um, the branches and the growth um, cannot be supported so that they can handle wind and and rain and so there's the illustration for us we've been told that we've been joined to jesus to produce fruitful lives and, and we want to we want to live those fruitful lives and it's the lives that are above the surface but i tell you what it needs to be reflected and supported by 
the life that you're living that's beneath the surface, the private life, um, that is the connection just between you and Jesus. What's the root system of your Christian life look like? Now let's go back inside. So back to Matthew chapter 6. Jesus' instructions here for his followers put us in the place where I think there's no way around it. If, if you want to develop what's going on beneath the surface, you, you and I need to learn how to draw near in solitude. We need to learn to develop muscles that are likely a little underdeveloped. Um, if we want to strengthen our ability to actually support a life that's fruitful, then we need to grow our root system. And Jesus here in this passage is directing our attention to investing in what is the, what you might call the hidden relationship or the secret relationship just between you and God. Secret not in a devious way, secret in a healthy and wonderful way that no one else needs to know about. That the kind of time that you get to have with God that you don't need to share with others. It's private. It's between you and Him. And it's strengthening, strengthening what is unseen. Look at verse 5, or verse 6, sorry. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. It's a pretty clear instruction. Um, Go into your room, close the door. Um, stop obsessing over your public prayer life or stop obsessing over your public life that is seen by others and instead learn to develop your ability to be alone with God. So shut the door. I call this the shut the door principle. It's not that radical, is it? Shut the door. Um, Learn how to develop privacy and solitude time alone with the Father. Now, when it says go into a room and shut the door, sometimes there isn't a room or a door that you can find. And that was the case for Jesus. There wasn't always a room and a door for him. So he would disappear and he would go and find a place. Um, He'd sneak off to somewhere where he couldn't be found. And the idea is that he would be inaccessible to others so that he could be accessible to his Father. Um, So whether you can find an actual room or not, it's not the point. It's the principle of you getting yourself to a place where um, there's limited access to you, uh, limited ability to be interrupted. Um, Now, it's hard to control your environment. Whenever I try and do this, there's usually something funny that happens or some little random interruption, even by nature or something like that. But we do our very best to try and carve out time and to carve out a place where you can just be alone with the Lord as best you can. You might need to leave behind your phone or you might need to at least turn off your notifications. Do what you can to limit distractions. Um, Put up the do not disturb sign. Whatever it is, grow in your ability to shut the door. Get some solitude with the Lord. Now, I want to acknowledge it's it's not an easy thing. I, I think solitude and time alone with the Lord is actually quite hard for most. Um, and I'd say there's a number of reasons why we find it hard. 
Um, I, I think we find it hard because it's a relatively new skill for a lot of us in our generation to actually know how to be alone and just be quiet. Um, there used to be a time where if you had to wait at the bus stop, you would just sit and stare and think. There was a time when people used to go to the toilets without their phones too, and they just sit and stare and think, you know. But these days, we've often just, out comes the phone, and so we don't even get that moment to just pause and reflect. And so we really have, if you want to talk about um, this as an ability, you know, to pause and be quiet, um, I think our muscles are weak in regards to this skill. Um, because we can avoid being in solitude so easily. Um, we can be entertained or distracted so easily. Um, and what that's going to mean is, is for you, if you'd acknowledge you're not really good at this, as you attempt to start spending regular time in solitude with the Lord, it's going to feel hard. Your first try, you're not going to feel good at this. Like any new sport or any new thing you attempt to do, um, it doesn't come immediately easily. You've got to learn how to do this. Um, and I would say when attempting to connect with God and attempting to have times with the Lord, it's just you and him. Probably the first thing you'll be confronted with is yourself. You know, you'll, you'll sit down, you'll have your cup of tea, you'll have your Bible open, you'll be ready to pray. And then all of a sudden, just in the quietness of that moment, your mind will head towards a whole range of things that are likely just concerns for yourself, you know. And so that, that's one of the hardest things about solitude with God. The first thing you encounter is you. And that can be haunting because we've all got skeletons in our closets and we've all got grief that's unprocessed and we've all got regrets on some level for the past we've all got fears about the future and we've got anxieties that we live in and and when we get a spare moment of quiet they all come bubbling up and so um you know it's easier to just try and avoid that and just stay busy and just keep moving but we need to learn how to sit in it we need to develop our ability to be in solitude and silence and understand that God is able to handle everything about you that starts to be, begin to bubble up. Um, when, you, when we read here in um, verse 8, it says, um, Do not be like them. Your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Um, God knows you. He knows what you need. He knows what's gone on in your life. He knows what's coming up out of your heart. He knows you back the front. And so those, as those anxieties and fears come up, they don't surprise him. They might haunt you, but they don't trouble him. And so actually in those moments, they're the very things to actually acknowledge to God and hand to God and allow to pass before you. Um, he can handle them. He can handle them all. Um, and actually he's able to actually not just handle them, but walk with you in, in, in beautiful, close fellowship as you consider those dark things. Um, that's what God is able to do with you in that. Now, this is hard. It, it's hard to develop 
these muscles of, of being in solitude with God and in, and in prayer with him. But this is developing the root system. If you shy away from learning to have time on your own with the Lord, you're shying away from developing the root system that you need for your life in order to produce fruit for Jesus. You're denying the ability to be strengthened. So press into the hardship of it. Know that it's going to be difficult to develop some new skills here. Um, and in the difficulty, bring it to God in the moment. Um, and and as, I, as I find myself doing that, as I find myself, um, you know, one thing after another will just start popping up in my mind. And, and I bring that to God and I, and I say to him, oh, look, that one again. Yep, that's still there. You know, and as I keep bringing them to him and saying, well, I'm still worried about that. Oh, I'm still depressed about that. Oh, I'm still, I don't know, as, as they all kept coming up, I, I feel like God is just sitting there with me going, yeah, I know. I see you. I know you. I can walk with you. I know what you need before you even ask me. And I find myself thinking, oh, well, Lord, would you direct me to know how to pray to you in the midst of all these things? And it becomes a conversation where there's intimacy. Um, and then there's the ability to look at the word and have him speak through the scriptures and one of the things that Deb does um, is she has a little notebook next to her and whenever things come up that um, she's just not wanting to dwell on, she'll just jot them down as a way of just kind of allowing them to pass by and just go and sit there rather than just control your mind for the entire time that you're attempting to read and pray. Um, we need to work hard to develop our skills here. I'd, I'd say there's a number of things we need to do. You need to plan. So you've got to carve out time and you've got to carve out what you're planning to do. Um, you need to find a place where you're going to sit and be with the Lord. Um, now, you might have a regular place that you like going back to, which works well, but you can't always find a place. So I always think about a posture um, so that um, it sounds very simple, I know, but I can, it doesn't matter where I am now, I've got a certain posture that I put myself in, which just helps me in my body remember that I'm attempting to have time with the Lord. And so I just kind of sit in a particular position with my back straight and I breathe a few breaths and I say, hello, Lord. And that just helps me remember that's what I'm doing here. I'm trying to spend time with God. Um, one of the other things that during draw near, I'll share with you, um, I, I tend to have this habit throughout the day where I like I like a treat. So I, like I'll work for a few hours and then I look forward to a treat, another few hours treat. And for me, the treats are sometimes, you know, I'll get up in the morning and um, and my treat will be I'll go jump in the ocean or then the treat will be, oh, I'll have a coffee at 10.30. And then the treat might be, oh, lunch and it's usually food or something like that. Or sometimes at night it might be the treat of, you know, I'll sit down and watch an episode of that. And so I kind of reward or treat myself for hard work and and it was interesting chatting with Deb the other day she raised to me what if what if having time with the Lord became my treat my reward the thing I was looking forward to and that that's that's kind of something I'm praying about every day now I'm like yeah well, why can't it be why does it need to be sugar or caffeine or a swim in the ocean or watching screens? Why, why can't it be, oh, I'm just going to work hard here at this thing and then I'm looking forward to the time where I get to pause and pray 
and be with the Lord and read his word, have a sneaky little moment with God. And that's the treat. That's the reward. That's what I'm working on in my day. Even if they're just little moments, I'm, I'm trying to direct my heart towards seeing that he is, he is the good thing. He's the reward. He is what my body really longs for. He is what my heart and my soul really need. It's actually just to be in his presence and enjoy him. So there's a, there's a little bit of rambling, a little bit of reflection. Um, but to kind of bury it down into some more kind of like really kind of more explicit instructions about what to do when you put aside time. You know, Jesus gives some, um, an example here of how to pray. Um, and that might be really helpful for you. You might say, yeah, I, I sit down, but I don't know what to say. I don't know how to pray. Um, and this is the very question that Jesus' own disciples kept asking him. Um, they would notice he would be always off praying. And so they would ask him, can you teach us how to pray like you pray? So um, do you want to be taught how to pray like Jesus prays? Well, verse 9, he says, this then is how you should pray. And so Jesus gives us what, what we often regard as the Lord's Prayer. Um, some people call it the Disciples' Prayer. Um, it's a prayer that's given by Jesus that we would pray it. And, and it's even it, it's a prayer that we would pray together. When you look at the language there, it says, it's, it's not my Father in heaven, it's our Father in heaven. So this is a prayer for us to pray together. And I actually want to finish the sermon today by praying this prayer together. And we'll do that in just a minute. <clears throat> But let me just um, have, a, have a brief look at the Lord's Prayer and then we'll finish up on this. Um, there's a bit of an age-old debate about whether we're meant to pray this exact prayer or whether we're meant to pray like this prayer, like it's a model, or do we pray this word for word? And the answer is yes, both. Yeah, Pray this prayer and pray like this prayer. If you are going to pray this prayer, make sure you don't pray it like Jesus has just been warning above. Um, he, he says above, he says, um, verse 7, when you, when you pray, don't keep babbling like the pagans. They think they'll be heard because of their many words. So don't feel like you need to just pray this fast over and over and over and over again. You don't need to say the Lord's Prayer 10 times in a day. And, and if you do, that'll get God's attention. No, no, that's don't babble. Don't, don't feel like you need to be repetitious. God hears you the first time. Um, but I would say um, just learn the prayer so that you can say it. Yeah? Um, and maybe you don't know the Lord's Prayer. Maybe you can commit this to memory so that you can pray it maybe first thing when you wake up in the morning. Um, learn how to slow it down and pray it. Um, learn how to personalize it and pray it. So you might change it to, My Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. You know? Give me today my daily bread. So you can personalize it um, in that kind of way. Um, so yeah, pray this actual prayer and we'll pray it together in just a moment. But also, um, let this prayer be a model for your prayers. And it can be a model by simply um, observing this about the Lord's Prayer. Uh, it is a series of requests. Um, this prayer asks for at least four things, possibly more, but it's a, it's a prayer that asks for four things. First of all, um, it asks for things to do with God's priorities. So you can see there, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's a request that God would, ha would, have, would allow his name to be hallowed, 
which means lifted up and praised. Um, and then it's your kingdom come, your will be done. So the first request is, God, would you lift up your own name and would you cause your kingdom to come and would you enable your will to be done? So there's the first part of the request. Is that how your prayers begin? Because this is a helpful model for us from Jesus. Begin your prayers by asking God to glorify himself and bring honor to his own name and allow his kingdom to come. Begin your prayers that way and then watch how it might shape the rest of your prayers. So there's our first request. It's for God's kingdom, his glory, his name. Request number one. Request number two. Um, it gets to our needs. It says, um, verse 11 there, it says, um, give us today our daily bread. So this is this is a, a request for my needs. God, would you provide what I need? Um, but the fact that it's um, give us our daily bread is to say, Lord, would you provide for my needs, but not so much that I, that I would forget that I'm actually dependent on you every day. So would you just give me daily bread? Would you just give me enough for what I need of my... Of, of my things just today because I don't want to become proud and presumptuous and think that I've got my life sorted. I want to remember every day that I need you and I'm dependent on you. So ask for your own needs, um, but not too much because um, uh, you want your trust in God to grow. Third thing to ask for is for the forgiveness of your own sins, um, which is which is the concept of repenting of your sin and asking for forgiveness on a regular basis. You know, what Jesus achieved on the cross has paid for our sins once for all, but we continue in, in the light of that to keep coming before God and repenting of our sin and asking for forgiveness. But so the third one is to ask for forgiveness and protection. You notice what it says there. Um, forgive us our, our debts as we also forgive our debtors. So, Lord, would you forgive me of my sin, which is to humbly acknowledge your sin before God. That's an important part of your prayer. God, I'm a sinner. Would you forgive my sins? And would you help me to forgive others? Okay, it's so important to be asking God for help um, that you would be able to forgive others as well. Um, and, um, yeah. And then the final ask is, um, is uh, verse 13. Starting to feel a bit lightheaded standing up here, COVID lungs and all. Um, <clears throat> but we'll finish up on this. Um, the final ask is um, that he would lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So, you know, the previous one is, uh, Lord, forgive me my sins, help me forgive others. And this one is, Lead me not into temptation, meaning I need your protection. Right, left my own devices. I'm just going to keep wandering off after sin. So as well as forgive me for my sin, would you protect me? Would you hem me in? Would you help me to stay away from what's dishonoring to you? Would you help me to live a life that's obedient to you? I need your help. Um, you know, I've got a healthy distrust of my own motives. So please, Lord, help me. Um, there you go. So there's, there's the four requests. Can you see what they are? First of all, it's a request um, 
for God and his name and his kingdom and his glory. Secondly, a request for your needs, your daily needs, um, that you would remember your daily dependence on him. Thirdly, you would ask for forgiveness and for the ability to forgive others. And thirdly, um, fourthly, you would ask for his protection over you to keep you from sin. Um, So let the Lord's Prayer be a model for your own prayer. And pray the Lord's Prayer. And do whatever you need to do to keep developing healthy rhythms of drawing near to God in order to develop a strong and, and, and deep and stable root system that will be the very stability for your life that you're attempting to live so that you can produce fruit for God. Let's focus on what's going on below the surface. Um, not just be obsessed with what's above the surface. Jesus is directing us here to see the crucial importance of what's going on in the secret places, in the hidden places, in, in the places that are just between you and God. Get that strong. Develop that. Um, do everything you need to do to pay the cost to draw near and develop that area of your life. Um, let's let's pray the Lord's Prayer together. So if your Bibles are open, you can follow along with me um, with this one. And we'll just, we'll just pray this version and just this one, and then I'll pray a little prayer. So everyone, together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. Father God, we see the crucial importance that it is to develop the life that's beneath the surface. Lord, pour out your spirit on us in such a way that the root system of our life would be sufficiently developed that we can live lives that produce fruit for you. Please help us to be intentional about drawing near and developing new skills of being able to be alone with you, in solitude with you, in prayer with you. Please do that work in us, Lord for our sake, but ultimately for your glory's sake. And all the people said, Amen.